Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome, fight fans, to BTR Boxing Podcast. And today's episode is the big fight preview for Errol Spence Jr. and Jordanius Ugas this coming weekend. IBF, WBA, welterweight titles on the line. And for us in the UK, it's a little bit of a double header, really, because we've also got Conor Ben headlining the DAZN show in Manchester as he looks to take up a step in opposition against Chris Van Heerden. Lots to discuss about that particular fight and that card. But the main topic of the show really is Spence Jr.'s return to the ring and him taking on Ugas in the division, which is a fight I'm I'm genuinely, genuinely looking forward to. I think this is uh, another good fight for Errol Spence, a great fight for Ugas. And straight off the bat, for me, it's it's going to be a an interesting an interesting fight to see where Errol Spence Jr. is at. I think more people are looking at it and thinking, well, where's where's Spence at? Where, where is he at in his career at the moment? Because I think people are a bit up and down in opinions about him. I don't think people think he's mentally 100% there. But then in his last fight, he's shown as he was. And I'm looking forward to seeing this this weekend. And I'm delighted again to be joined on the Big Fight Preview by the Big Dog Luke. You're going to give your thoughts, feelings and opinions. And firstly, we're going to talk about, as we said, Spence Jr., Jordanius Ugas this weekend. What are your thoughts, feelings and opinions on this fight? Well, my thoughts, feelings and opinions mirror that of Errol Spence Jr., who, because I say his name wrong, I'm going to call him EJ or Spence because I say Errol typically wrong. And people from Texas or people that know him tend to point that out more than the content that we are creating. And that's very annoying when the whole conversation is about pronunciation when I, I pronounce a bunch of words wrong. I'm sure the UK loves me for that. But 
what Spence said was basically, okay, Ugas is this Cuban boxer, but he doesn't move like a Cuban boxer. What is it that he actually does well? And I think the only thing I can say is he knows how to fight a southpaw and he's got good timing, but fundamentally Ugas does a lot of things wrong. And I think that this fight is going to really play to a lot of Spence's strengths. I think that he's going to stop Ugas. And I think this is going to set up him calling out Terrence Crawford. I think this is the perfect moment, a motivated Spence, a guy who's being largely disrespected by the boxing media, fans, public, all sorts. And he's going in with a guy who seemingly is going to stand in front of him. And that's probably like the worst thing you can do with Spence. I am interested to see how he performs in, in this fight because obviously we've not seen him back in the ring for what two years 18 months two years now you know well pushing on to his last fight was was against Danny Garcia in December of 2020 and we've not seen him in the ring since but when he was in the ring he looked good I, I was I was I was happy with his return to the ring I was happy seeing him do well I think it's more so the antics outside of the ring, the incidents as well outside of the ring, that makes you question whether... it. Well, it made me question whether he's 100% there mentally. Or is it all just a facade? Is it all just playing up to that, that sort of pantomime villain aspect of of his outside incidents? I'm, I'm not 100% sort of sold on, on where, where, that, where that lies with him. But one thing I can't mistake is his ability in the ring... And his ability in the ring is second to none. This is a big fight. You know, the WBC title, the WBA title, and the IBF title. Obviously, the WBC and the IBF sit with Errol Spence. But it's the WBA that Ugas won off Manny Pacquiao, which he is looking to defend. And like you're saying, you think this is going to be a good performance, it's going to be a victory for Errol Spence Jr. That would give him three belts in the division. And looking to fight Terence Crawford. Now there is talk of Terence Crawford moving up. I don't know how true these rumours are. But I can't imagine him wanting to move up just yet. I would have thought he would have won this fight with Spence. I mean why would you not want a fight for every title in the division? How, how? I mean with the politics that there are in the sport. Could this fight really happen? Are we going to get to see this fight Luke? I mean, if we're our sport, we got to have it. You know, I think that the problem is people want to do boxing business hour about you need to do this or they need to monetize or what's the new thing, nil name, image, likeness. And at a certain point, if fighters want a certain amount of money, but the, the fans and the marketplace doesn't derive that, shouldn't there just be pressure? Like either we're not going to buy your fights and you guys have to fight and then that creates the generational star or we kind of shame your legacy because at, at this point, both of these guys are at a point where it's Spence and it's Crawford. And then we got Virgil Ortiz and we got Boots Ennis and they're right behind them. And if Boots Ennis and Virgil Ortiz start fighting these guys before these two fight each other, it's going to really hurt both fighters legacies for me personally. But then you've also got to look at, as well, in the division, on the same card, you know, this WBA title that's on the line is the Super 
WBA title. On the undercard is Chief Support is the fight for the WBA regular title with Radzab Batayev and I'm probably butchering these names, uh, but he meant to Stan, Stanios. Um, again, apologies if I've... I think Stanionis, but just call him Stan. I just keep butchering these names. It's, you see, me and Johnston are the, are the worst and I'm sure our listeners will totally agree that at times uh, our butchering of names is quite questionable. I think, you know what, just as a, a, a tangent for this episode, you know, I think people have even reviewed uh, one of our series as um, if you enjoy this type of show and you can actually stand the odd butchering of a name... Then you'll enjoy this, and this is just typical. This is just typical of us, really, and and myself in particular, uh, butchering the name. But going back to the point, coming back off that tangent, so you've got the, the regular WBA title on the line as chief support. I mean, where does the winner of that fight sit in in that battle of undefeated fighters? Do any of them get the opportunity to fight? The winner of this fight does it end up being like Spence? If he won the fight against Ugas, he has to fight the winner of that as as mandatory for the WBA. Or the same if it was Ugas that won the fight, do you think that would play out before a Crawford fight? I hope not. You know, I I I mean, this fight to me, I'm getting excited because Ugas took the hard road, right? Ugas fought a lot of guys where he was supposed to lose, and he kept winning, right? And even though he lost to Sean Porter. Many people feel that fight should have gone to Ugas or they thought it was close enough where we're like, we're not going to historically hold back that that uh, loss because we view that as you guys were equals and Sean Porter is a great fighter. So when you fight a guy like Ugas and if Spence, who I assume is going to win, and I think he's going to stop Ugas, if I'm being perfectly honest, where do you really go from here? Because you're fighting one of the five best guys in the division. You can't take a sidestep, at least to me. And it's like Spence has an injury, you know, an eye injury. He has limited time on his career. We got to really understand historically who Spence is. And I think that that's kind of what's hurt me in the modern era is fighters have kind of lacked the historical ownness of This is, I want to be up there with Sugar Ray Leonard. I want to be up there with Ray Robinson. I want to be there with Hagler. It's been more so how can I just provide a lot of money for my family? And I think from a fight fan, I understand it living in America because there's a lot of people that are broke and you want to have money to support your family and those that you love. But I think from a sporting culture, we're really looking for these fighters that stand above the sport and make our eras and our TV watching a boxing mean so much. So I'm hoping that Spence wins this fight, grabs the bulls by the horns. And by the end of the year, look, Crawford's a promotional free agent for all we know. Let's make the fight happen. Yeah. I mean, that's what I want to see. Ideally, everybody wants to see this fight happen by the end of the year. I mean, we can't really wait around for another 18 months, two years for this fight to happen. I think you're right in what you're saying about Spence's time. He's probably limited within the sport. And I think like you've got to look at the fact that you know, this injury could reoccur quite quickly, quite easily. And if it does, how how much of an impact is it going to make on, he, on his career? And we've seen it happen. I always talk about Kell Brook a lot because we've seen how badly that eye injury has affected his career. And yeah, okay, he's come back and he, he looked great getting the victory over Amir Khan finally. 
putting putting that saga to bed. But you know, Errol spends how many how many major fights has he got left in him now? And I honestly think this Crawford fight is the one that needs to happen for him to look at potentially unifying the division. But going back to the fight at hand and, and not really, you know, giving Ugas any credit whatsoever. You know, he's he's gone on and he's beat who he's needed to beat to get himself in this position, including beating Hall of Famer Manny Pacquiao and, and finally retiring him. He got that victory over him to win the WBA Super version of the title and now he's in a position to fight Errol Spence and, you know, putting himself in a financial better financially better situation to be able to, you know, look at it back on his career and go, well, you know, I had these these major fights with the major players of the division. So this is a huge opportunity for him to you know, to try and capitalise on Errol Spence Jr. But like you, Lukey, I just can't see that actually happening this coming weekend. I genuinely think Errol Spence is is such a talented fighter that I think he's going to make this a uh, not not so much a difficult, I'm not going to say an easy fight. I don't want to be disrespectful when I say that, but I do think he's going to make it something that's going to be straightforward for him. Against Ugas, I think Ugas's style is is probably tailor made, if anything, for Errol Spence, and I think Errol Spence is going to use his ability, his physical attributes. I think he's going to use some really nice footwork in there and some nice lateral movement to get himself around and pick them shots nicely. And I think I wouldn't be surprised, given my prediction for that fight, I wouldn't be surprised to see him stop him. You know, eight nine rounds into the fight, I, I think he I think he systematically breaks him down, and I think that fight gets stopped between. I'm gonna go even on a bigger limb this week, and I'm gonna say eight or nine round eight or nine. I'm not gonna say nine to twelve like I did last week with the uh, Golovkin Murata fight. I'm gonna say eight or nine. I think that's how he how he breaks him down and systematically beats him. I mean, you're seeing the same fight I'm seeing. I'm seeing that Spence is gonna come out. He's gonna hit Ugas's body a lot. And when if Ugas is unable to time Spence, who I think it's going to be very hard to time the Spence jab because Spence is a lot faster than Ugas. Let's forget that a lot of the elements that Ugas uses, it's like he's awkward. He has weird timing. He knows how to fight southpaws. But a lot of times with Cuban boxers, the underlying thing that we think about with Cuban boxing is tremendous athleticism. Guillermo Rigondeaux, tremendous movement, tremendous conditioning, tremendous athleticism. That was your Yorkis Gamboa. That was Eris Landy Lara. It's an unspoken rule of Cuban boxing. Not to say Ugas isn't in shape. He doesn't have those same physical gifts as a lot of the truly great Cuban boxers of the past. And I think that when he gets in there with Spence, this is going to be a lot for him to handle because Spence is the most motivated. And I think that you're going to see Ugas in long periods of this fight on the ropes getting hit. And Spence's whole focus is people have been basically saying, I'm avoiding Terrence Crawford. I want to make a huge statement. Well, we'll get to see it, won't we? And we'll get to see whether or not he does make that huge statement and also him calling out Terrence Crawford. I think it's a given as to how that's going to play out. But I have to I have to try and be as objective as possible without being too biased. But sometimes I think the writing is just literally on the wall in front of your face. And I think this is 
For me, Errol Spence gets this victory. He calls out Terence Crawford. And we see how that landscape progresses. That's the big fight of the weekend for me. Which is why I've titled it as, as the major fight. Because I do think it's a significant fight for, for the welterweight division. But the other fight here in the UK and, and the other card I wanted to touch on with you, Luke, here for, for this episode was the fact that Conor Ben also in the welterweight division is taking a step up. What well, what I would say is a step up, and I think what a lot of people would agree with in boxing is a step up. However, you get your casual audiences who, you know, look at Chris Van Heerden and say, well, he hasn't fought for, for how long? You know, is he really a step up? Genuinely, I think he is. Uh, the one thing I've said about Conor Ben's career is that the rather than fast-tracking him, which they seemed to want to do at the start, they slowed him down a bit when he had them problems with Cedric Paynard. Now, he got away with one in the first fight against Paynard, and he came back and he made it right in the second fight. And since then, for me, he's become a much more improved fighter. And now he's at a point where he's fighting a another guy who's been in against the top names of the division. And yeah, is he past his best a little bit? Yeah, of course he is. I mean, he's not the Chris Van Heerden of four, five, six years ago. He's not the same fighter. However, he is a name. He is someone that will help Conor Ben's resume as he is progressing through the ranks. And obviously, there is the WBA Continental Welterweight title there. Gives him that little bit of leverage in the rankings, of course, as we know. And I think what Eddie Hearn's doing with him is actually doing something with a fighter for a change where I actually agree that he's guiding him in the right direction at the right time as opposed to either trying to fast track him too quickly and he, he gets beat and gets found out and doesn't get the experience he needs this time I think he's getting the experience he needs the step up in fights you know the Samuel Vargas's, the Chris Algieri's, the Chris Van Heerden's of the world yeah they were once pretty good fighters con contenders either champions and, and it's this type of a apprenticeship that he needs Conor Ben to be ready to challenge at some point in the future for a world title I mean if you look at what we're talking about the main fight Errol Spence is, is the king of that division for us people say it's Terence Crawford if these two ever fight the landscape of that following that fight if should it happen would change and it might even leave that opportunity for Conor Ben at that point to step in and maybe look at one of the titles should say Errol Spence win that unification and go on and, and retire or, or whatever it may be I, I am kind of thinking way way forward here but I'm just thinking along the lines of you know where's Conor Ben at now how old is he what what is he at in his career and in, in the next two or three years where will the other fighters be in the division the likelihood is they'll have probably moved on in some way shape or form which I think if Conor Ben spends the next two years fighting more world-level contenders or former world title challengers, he's going to get that apprenticeship he needs. I don't know if you agree with that, Luke. I just kind of feel that that is my stance on where Conor Ben is at at the moment and, and how to progress him going forward. I mean, Conor Ben has to be Matchroom's next star, right? Because Joshua's getting old. Uh, Katie Taylor's getting old. They need someone to be like, okay, this is the person that puts butts in the seats two, three times a year, and people are all in. Because that's what Matchroom feels like. They kind of have the boxing lockdown of the UK, the way the UFC has MMA lockdown in America. Feels like a lot of people are Matchroom boxing fans in the UK, and they believe in the brand. And when there's someone that's 
going through their multimedia presentations and all that. We're all in. You put him on the stage. Connor Ben, obviously Nigel Ben, great fighter. And if you look at Connor Ben, it's very clear to see like his job profession could be a fighter, right? He looks tough. He's got a bunch of tattoos, like just looks like a fighter. You know, that I love how my description of looks like a fighter is tattoos, <laughs> but it goes beyond that, right? If you see him, he looks like he could be like a an enforcer in a mob movie, right? He looks tough. And I think with Van Heerden big X factor, right? Because it's like, you could say, okay, this is a guy who's never really gotten to the mountaintop, or you could look at him like me, guy who stayed in the gym, giving guys really, really hard work in the gym, gave Miguel Cotto a lot of fits in the gym, right? But his two kind of, his one loss comes to Errol Spence, and his one kind of fight that wasn't going too hot was against boots in us and those for all we know could be the two best fighters of an era and he had the misfortune of fighting those guys so i think what this is going to tell us is how does ben deal with a southpaw and how does ben deal with a true professional who's a world level professional who's closer to his prime than maybe chris algieri i think that would be a good way of assessing it and i hope that people actually can now we've said it this way can understand why it is actually a good fight for him. I know when it was made and when it was announced, people are like, oh, here we go again. It's just another guy past his best, etc., etc. At the end of the day, what do you want? What do you want them to do with him? Do you want him to? Do you want them to throw him to the lions? Do you want them to be throwing him in with Terence Crawford now? Because he's not ready. He's not ready for the likes of Crawford. It's as simple as that. And to be ready for the likes of fighters like him, he needs to be fighting guys like Van Heerden. He needs to be showing that he has learned from his previous fights. And this is the only way to do it in my eyes. I think he needs another four or five fights before he then looks at challenging whomever may be the champion or whether it's a vacant title or whoever is the number one, number two, number three ranked contender, whatever the landscape may be over the next two years. He needs to be ready for it. He needs to be ready for the opportunity when it arises. It might come sooner. I'm not saying it won't come sooner because it might. But if he's keeping himself active and he's fighting guys that have been in with the best company of the division, then surely that's a statement of intent as to where they want to take his career, and that they're very serious about guiding him in the right direction, as opposed to just throwing him to the Lions and cashing in too soon on him. For me, this is this is a good way of them doing it. And like you said, you made a really valid point, which I think people don't consider, which is the fact that some of the matchroom stable fighters, some of the guys at Eddie Hearn, uh, has been <laughs> using his cash cows for the past few years, are coming to the end of the careers, are in the twilight of the careers. Yeah, Joshua's got his rematch, uh, 23rd of July. It looks like it's going to be in Saudi Arabia with Alexander Usyk, you know, but he hasn't got long left, I would say. Two years, Katie Taylor, two years maybe, tops. Conor Ben, if he's ready in two years, he takes over that mantelpiece as, as their next big star. So from a from an economical standpoint, it makes sense for them to progress him in the right way. I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think maybe people listening, maybe you guys will think, well, actually, yeah, it makes more sense from that way to do it that way because it's a business as much as it is, if not more, a sport. And this is what it's all about. They'll look at it like that and go, actually, we need someone to be our next marquee star. Who's that going to be? Well, we've got Conor Ben, who who's already at the point where he's on the verge of, of that. So we'll get to see 
how that pans out in the future. Conor Ben versus Virgil Ortiz. If Virgil Ortiz can manage to stay at the weight, maybe that could be a future fight down the line. Who knows? But for me, Conor Ben, this fight has got to show us that he's improved. I think he needs an emphatic victory again. I think if he gets another emphatic victory like he has done in his last two outings, again, people will start to say, well, look, he actually, he actually is the real deal. He is the real deal. He, he's ready for that step up. So, for me, he needs this win. He needs an emphatic win. And if I was guiding him, I'd be saying, look, don't avoid anybody else now around your level. People that are maybe just above him are pushing for world titles themselves. A name that's been mentioned a lot in the UK is David Avenintian. Connor Ben David Avenintian's a fight that I think maybe needs to be made in the next 12 months. Kind of maybe, a boogeyman. Yeah, it is. But if he won it, then would that shut people up? Would that tell people that he is ready for a world title shot because i think it would i think that all see i'm much more pessimistic i think all connor ben has to do is put butts in seats win if he wins impressively it's better but i think he just needs to win i see him on i i did a program earlier today and i compared it to the ricky hatton program you know as long as you're winning and you're putting butts in the seats and you've had some really good performances the train will keep moving. And I think Connor Ben is really looking for his Costa Zoo fight. So as long as he can win this fight, even if it's not spectacular, people will forget if the next fight is spectacular. He's just got to fill up the arenas, give some good speeches, make media day fun, kiss some babies and keep people engaged. Because I see him as a guy that's trying to be built into a superstar level fighter. And if that's the case, the fights will make themselves because if he's selling and so forth and so on, that's just the truth. I mean, I see him as having a higher commercial upside than Kell Brook and Kell Brook went very far. So I'm going to move forward for the rest of this card now and talk about chief support, Chris Billum Smith's rematch with Tommy McCarthy. And we've got the EBU European Cruiserweight title and we've got the Commonwealth title here, which... I think he's a really, really good rematch. He's a really good fighter for the card. And I think it's something that I've mentioned in the last couple of weeks about the UK cruiserweight fighters. There is a bit of an abundance of them. And these two are two other names, aside from the likes of Lawrence Okolai, world champion, Richard Reakpour, Jack Massey, IBO champion, got Tommy McCarthy and Chris Billum-Smith. You know, there's a good plethora of cruiserweights in the UK that are... Uh, just vying for a move to that world level. And with the impending departure of Lawrence Coli from the Cruiserweight, I think it does leave a gap there for, for, for at least three or four of the Cruiserweights to push forward in the career. The first one was quite a controversial split decision victory for Chris Billum-Smith. A good rematch for the card, this one, Luke. Do you remember the first fight? You got any thoughts from the first fight? And have you got any thoughts on this second fight? I feel like Tommy McCarthy had fought him two times. And like, I've assumed that they hadn't even fought before because it feels like when Chris Billiam Smith fights, he fights another UK fighter that almost feels two names that feel kind of UK centric. I remember it was a fight that was sneaky, entertaining as an American. I'm not very invested, in, but like I'm into Okoli because it feels like Okoli could turn into a fight that's a lot of interest in boxing. And I think that that as I get outside of Usyk and a few other fighters, 
cruiserweights, the no man's land, right? It's the guys that can't make 175, but don't really want to test themselves at heavyweight. And then if they're too good, they go, ah, man, we got to go to heavyweight because that's where the good fights are. So it's always kind of like this no man's land of kind of misfit fighters that are in, in this division. That being said, I forget, I want to say it was like one of those in the backyard of Eddie, Eddie Hearn's like mansion fights. And it was like a sneaky, really good fight that I wasn't even really paying attention to. And then all of a sudden it's real even. Well, it was in Eddie Hearn's back garden and it was really even. And it was one of them fights where I can imagine like the American audiences, it wasn't like for them in terms of the fighters involved, it wasn't like a captivating thing. Like I understand like from our standpoint as well, like when we look at American fighters, we don't always sort of follow the, the, the superstars in making, you know, and, and this, I can imagine this is kind of the thing, you know, when you've seen this, and you know, it was a really close fight, really, really close fight. Chris Bill and Smith gets the win split decision, two judges score it to Chris Bill and Smith, one judge scores it to Tommy McCarthy. So they were right to push for a, a rematch, and, you know, I think as fight fans in the UK, we, we are glad that it is actually happening, and the fact that these two guys are going to get to settle this score, and you know, at the end of the day, these two guys have got aspirations of moving forward in the cruiserweight division, as I've said earlier. And I think with the the plethora of fighters coming through UK-wise, I think it makes for a, a good future for, for, for both of them, really. So that is the chief support to uh, Conor Ben versus Chris Van Heerden. And then you've got Alicia Baumgartner, who's coming over here and fighting in Manchester. After beating Terry Harper in 2021, she now comes to defend the WBC and IBO World Featherweight, Super Featherweight titles against Edith Matisse. Now, I'm not too sure what the logic is behind her coming here and fighting on this card, whether it's to sort of give her exposure here in the UK and maybe look at a, a, a another future fight. Going forward, I'm not too sure what the logic is behind her fighting here. But one thing I do know is that, you know, she's probably going to have been looking at the Michaela Mayer fight recently and thinking this is a really good potential unification bout between between the two of us. And, and, and maybe it is just the fact that she's uh, being able to be put out on a show and being put out on a show that is being broadcast on his own. Again, I don't know the logic behind why she's on this particular card, but she is. And also... A cruiserweight to look out for is Jordan Thompson. He's 12-0, and he has given a lot of fighters a lot of problems. And I just don't think he's had that marquee fight yet, that coming-out party fight. And this is exactly what he needs, and he's on another good stage to do it on as well. He spars a lot with Tyson Fury as well, so you know you probably see elements of, of his movement and his footwork uh, change over the time that he spent with with Mr. Fury in camp as well. Uh, you've got Cyrus Patterson, Thomas Whitaker Hart, Luke Evans, Jack Cullen, James Metcalf all on this card, and Campbell Hatton. Campbell Hatton obviously is somebody that us as fight fans in the UK want to get excited about. But the problem is, is you know we've seen him have some really tough fights, and one in particular which he should have lost on the card and got away with. I think he's the one where people started to jump a little bit on the back of him as an individual as opposed to, you know, the British Boxing Board of Control referees and judges because it was them that made that decision, you know, in this particular fight which he, he should have lost. But it must be really difficult for uh, Campbell in particular because it's not his fault that he is the son of his father and his father is a British boxing legend. He didn't have a massive amateur career so he is literally learning in the professional game on the job. And he always felt like 
he had this style to turn over. He'd be more suited to the professional side of the sport. So it is going to be interesting to sort of see where he goes. He's got another good fight on his hands against League Lover, well-known fighter in the UK, journeyman. He'll get a nice little test room on this card, and it just keeps him active. And I think that's one of the important things about fighters who don't have the, the, the deep amateur career is that he needs to be active, he needs to stay active. But I'm just interested to know what your take is on Campbell Hatton. It's hard to live under a mark, microscope, you know, and... With, with Campbell Hatton, I just see a young man who's bonding with his father through boxing, and he's trying to find himself, and obviously he doesn't have the talent of his father. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket science to see that, but he looked better in his last fight, right? He had a hard fight, and everyone wants to criticize him because everyone that fights Campbell Hatton wants to be the first guy that beats that last name. I beat Ricky Hatton's son, right? And, you know, it's because his father was so great, his son has to endure this hate. And I always kind of feel for these guys because it's hard being the son of a British boxing legend in their father's shadow. Connor Ben has transitioned really nicely. We've talked about this in the past. He had that fight where everyone thought that he was going to be terrible, or as they probably say in the UK rubbish. And now look, he's a superstar. So I'm not going to count out Campbell Hatton because he's had a tough fight. I just think that we live in a world where we make expectations too quickly. He's a young guy. He's learning on the job. If, if the internet was what it was now, imagine Canelo's whole first 30 fights that were all developmental. It would be dramatically, oh, he's the most overrated and this and that. Campbell's a guy that's going to need a lot of fights. But who's to say that the way they build him might not make a special fighter? Well, again... Only time's going to tell what happens with Campbell, but it's good to see him back out. It's great to see him back out this weekend. Looking forward to seeing how he gets on. And moving forward then to other fight cards on over the weekend on BT Sport. Also on Saturday night, Jason Cunningham defends his EBU European Super Bantamweight title against Terry Lecovier. And then we've got Andrew Kane, 8-0. Nathan Heaney, 14-0, defending his IBO middleweight title the international middleweight title i might add and then you've got a plethora of prospects pretty much versus journeyman on the rest of that particular card uh, sky sports have also got a card on promoted by boxer headlined by Ryland charlton and on the friday night something that maybe has eluded many people's gazes here in the uk and in particular in wales on friday night gavin Gwynn is fighting against luke willis for the vacant British lightweight title, Gavin Gwynn currently holds the Commonwealth lightweight title, but he's fighting for the vacant title against undefeated fighter Luke Willis. So there's another fight to check out on that card as well. Another undefeated fight going on that weekend is Sam Gilly versus Drew Brown, English super welterweight title on the line. So there's a good plethora of boxing on this weekend to be checking out. And as always, I always come come over to you, Lukey, because I like to see, you know, what is going on over in America or, or who we should be looking out for here in the UK, you know, in terms of fighters that maybe we don't always get the opportunity to check out. So is there any in particular fights or fighters that we should be looking at this weekend? I really like this uh, Batyov versus Stanionis fight. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the, the pay-per-view portion or if it's going to be on some internet 
streaming service, but it has implications to the welterweight division. I believe Stan Ionis stepped aside to allow Ugas to be able to compete with Spence. He's fighting Batiev. Batiev beat Jamal James. It's kind of like the American version of a domestic level British fighter. You know, I don't know if the British fight fans might know who Jamal James is. Very good fighter in America. Didn't his steals didn't quite inherently transfer to the world level, but that's a really good fight. Brandon Lee is going to be taking on Zachary Ochoa. Zachary Ochoa used to be signed with Golden Boy Promotions. And do not sleep on the pay-per-view opener. Cody Crowley, undefeated, really, really tough southpaw taking on Josecito Lopez, who's kind of not thought of in the same way as Gabe Rosado, but very similar career as Gabe Rosado. He fought Canelo probably about a decade ago, and he's still going strong and still upsetting people. So I think those are... If you're just kind of casually looking around, maybe look at those. Well, I suppose that wraps up the Big Fight Preview episode. We've both given our thoughts, feelings, opinions on Spence versus Ugas and Ben versus Van Heerden, as well as some of the fights on the undercard. You can check them all out. Obviously, they've got the pay-per-view over in America. You can check out DAZN here in the UK for the card on Saturday. And if you want to check out alternative ways of watching some of these fights over the weekend, our friends over at Daz TV on Twitter at Daz TV will be able to provide you with the opportunity to see all these fights. So why do you go and check them out at Daz TV on Twitter? So for us guys, that is the big fight preview wrapped up. If you want to follow Lukey on social media, you can do so at Lukey Boxing on Twitter and you can find him also on Instagram. If you want to follow him on YouTube, check out some of the guests he has on, check out some of the people he speaks to, some of the interviews he has, you can do that at ITR Boxing YouTube channel. Please go and check them out. For us, you can check us out as always at BTR Boxing Podcast Network on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and on YouTube. If you've got any comments about this big fight preview, any predictions of your own for the fight, any thoughts on Connor Ben and his future, or Campbell Hatton and his future, or what does Spence do next, or will Spence Crawford ever happen, then please do let us know. Drop a comment in. We'll happily have a chat over social media with you all and get your thoughts, feelings, and opinions on these big fights. That's it, fight fans. We'll see you next time for a reaction show for these big fights this weekend. And keep checking out our main feed for all the latest content available to yourselves. Thank you, and see you next time. Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.